something that happens here. And then we're going to go to the text that's on the back of the bulletin, 1 Thessalonians 2. But I want you to look at something in Acts 17 for a minute. I'm glad you're here, by the way. It's good to see you. I hope you've had a good day and uh, a good day of worship, maybe some time with friends and family. You know, as life goes on, you experience different things and you, um, you, you go through various challenges. And, um, you know, it's that time of year when you know, school started, however long it's been, two or three weeks ago, three I guess different, different times for different, uh, different schools and kids going off to college and all that. Remember, uh, remember when we dropped Bailey off at college. Um, you know, there's that feeling, and, and those of you who've, who've, who've been in that situation where you're, you're your first child or second child, you know, you, you, I think you experience them differently, but if you've been in that situation, you know that, that feeling and... I remember all sorts of emotions go through your mind and heart. Because as, as a parent, you, you raise your kids and you want them to be faithful and you want them to be safe. And, and there are times when they're young, you just want them to be, you want them to be gone. <laughs> you want them to be grown, right? Um, but, but you get to that point in life and it gets there before you know it. And then the, the, the feeling I know that filled our hearts at, at that moment was... Just some doubt, I guess. Have we done enough? Did we do it right? Um, did, we, did we instill in her and in him the kind of values that they need to face this world? Because it's a bad world. It's a scary place. You know, and you, you have all these emotions. You're excited because you see them developing their own independence, their own abilities and, and all that. But at the same time, there are these you know, self-doubts. You, you kind of worry and you have these anxious feelings. I think that happens at different stages and it's, it's been interesting on social media last, and this happens every, every fall, you know, every late August, early September, whatever, um, parents dropping their child off for kindergarten for the first time, you know, and, and I know I, I, I saw, maybe some of you, I know I saw on Facebook some folks saying that, you know, the mom, she held it together until she got to the car or whatever, and then just kind of lost it at that point. And, and I think at different stages at that point, there's, there's that same kind of feeling you know, we've, we've had her or him, he's five years old or whatever, and now he's facing this, this world, and they're going to be bullies, and they're going to be people who are mean, and they're going to be different kind of temptations that change as, as, a, as the child gets older. And then maybe when they go to middle school, it, it, it expands, and you, you know that there are other kind of temptations that are in the world, and then they go to high school, and as, as uh, life changes, you experience different things and then college and get married and so on. All these things. It's this, this thing in us as Christians where we've had an opportunity to be an influence on someone. that God has put this person in our, in our lives and we've had an opportunity to be an influence. And, and, and when there's that separation, how, whatever that separation looks like, you feel these different emotions. And some of them are it's kind of anxiety, I guess, or worry, cares, concerns. Now, I say all that to, to say this, to get us to this point. I love it when you can read the Bible and you see some of your heroes feeling something like that. 
when you, when you recognize that, that people that you, you love from Scripture, you've read about them, you've admired them, and you, and you realize they were, man, they were people like us. They, were, they, were, they struggled like we do. They had these emotions and cares and concerns. And I'm talking tonight about Paul. And, you know, Paul, I don't know what you think of when you think of Paul, but I, I guess I've got in my mind this, this man who just almost has no flaws. I mean, I know he has them. You see them come out sometimes, but rarely. Most, most of Paul's, if, if Paul has flaws, which he does, they come out because he wants to spread the gospel so badly and he, he's so passionate. You see that come out, and if you remember that story in the book of Acts where Paul and Barnabas kind of got in a spat over whether John Mark needs to go on the next trip, and Paul said no, and Barnabas said yes, and they kind of got in an argument about that, and and maybe that was a flaw in Paul, that Paul was so driven and he didn't see that same kind of drive in Mark and he thought, no, he doesn't need to go. But when I think of Paul, I think of someone who was just so committed to the Lord. He's, it was everything to him from the time that he became a Christian on. It's just this, this drive and this passion and this that would eventually lead to his being in prison, you know, when he's pretty young and, and then beheaded by Nero and then mid-60s, so, I mean, it's just, just an amazing thing about Paul. Now, here's the thing about him. We're going to look at a text in 1 Thessalonians 2. I'll get there in a second, but I want you to look at the background, because it's pretty cool when you can do this. You can't always do this with the Bible, but you can look in the book of Acts to a specific thing that, that Paul deals with, for example, some trips that he goes on, some people that he taught, and then you can turn to one of the letters that he wrote, and you can pinpoint almost exactly when he wrote that letter. And you, you can combine those two things, the historical record and then when he wrote it, and you put them together, and it, it kind of gives you some insight into what, what's going on in his mind and the circumstances. So what Paul is dealing with here is he's worried, and he expresses that to us. I mean, you've got Paul, who's this man that... I guess sometimes I think he didn't have any concerns. He didn't have any anxieties. He, he was just like, man, I'm all in, and I don't worry about, I don't worry about this stuff because God's got it. And we were talking about that this morning, you know, putting your faith in God. We all believe that we ought to do that. But at the same time, we recognize that we are, at times, frail human beings with our own struggles. Okay, now look at this. Acts 17. Not going to read all this. I just want to walk through this just for a minute or two with you. Acts 17. This is one of Paul's trips. Paul's great apostle, great preacher. He's going all over the world. He's spending his life just trying to teach as many people about Jesus as he can. And he's going from place to place. And in Acts 17 and verse 1, uh, he and some traveling companions got to a place called Thessalonica. Uh, some of you have been to that city in Greece now. Thessaloniki, it's called, still there. It's been there a long time. And so Paul went to this city and in verse 2, it says he, he stayed for three Sabbath days. So it's a Bible way of saying he stayed there for about three weeks or so. Maybe he stayed there longer. But, uh, but anyway, he, he went there and he taught. And he, verse 3, he explained and proved that it was necessary for Jesus to suffer, to rise from the dead. So basically what this is saying is Paul preached Jesus to them. So he did that in Thessalonica. He didn't stay very long, but some of them were persuaded, verse 4, and joined Paul and Silas and some Greeks and not a few of the prominent leading women in that city. But there were people who were jealous. So, so you think about this. Paul, Paul came in, he taught, and people started becoming Christians. 
But then as, as was becoming a pattern, you had these people who came along and they tried to make it miserable for Paul. They tried to get rid of him. They tried to undermine his teaching and all this stuff. And so verse 5, the Jews were jealous and they took some of the wicked men of the rabble, these you know, some bad characters. They got this mob together and basically they, they ran Paul out of town. And so it says in verse, verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. So, so pause there for just for a second. Paul goes there, he teaches, people become Christians, persecution starts, and Paul leaves. Now think about that for a second. Why did Paul leave? I mean, can you imagine that some of the people in Thessalonica might have thought, man, Paul comes here, we become Christians, and then as soon as it gets bad, he, he leaves. What in the world? Why, why, is he, why is he leaving just as it gets bad? You, you can also imagine as well that Paul probably, at least I think, we'll look at this more in a, in a minute, but Paul probably had in his mind, if he stays, the persecution is going to get worse. So the best thing he can do for the church in Thessalonica is to leave because they're mostly centered on Paul. They're, they're mad at Paul. So they're, they're going to persecute the Christians as long as Paul's there. But he thinks maybe if he leaves, then it won't be, won't be as bad. I think that's probably what's going through Paul's mind. But you can imagine that some of these people who opposed Paul after he left, they may have gone to those Christians and said, look, Paul doesn't care about you. He just skips town as soon as things get rough. You can imagine that kind of thing, right? They're, they're kind of trying to undermine what Paul is doing. So all this stuff is happening. I don't, we, don't know exactly, we don't know exactly what's going through Paul's mind. We're, we'll get a glimpse in a minute when we look at this letter that he wrote. But anyway, he goes to Berea, verse 10, and he teaches them there. And they accept the gospel, and many of them believe, verse, verse 12. Those same people from Thessalonica, the, the, the rabble-rousers, they came from Thessalonica, they followed him to Berea, stirred up the people against him, and again, Paul left. It says in verse 15, those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, all right? So they brought him to Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. He left, um, he left Silas and Timothy there, but he left and told him to come. He told him to come as soon as you can. So then he goes to Athens. So he's going Thessalonica, Berea, Athens. He's going to stay there for a bit. Okay. Now, you got that? Got that in mind? He goes to Thessalonica, teaches people to become Christians. It gets rough. Paul has to leave. Goes to Berea. Same thing happens. He goes to uh, he goes to, to to Athens, and then he starts teaching there. Okay. Now, I want you to look at something in 1 Thessalonians 2 for a minute, and then we'll make a brief application to us. But 1 Thessalonians 2, okay, so he's writing this, church, this letter to the church at Thessalonica, church where he spent at least three weeks, three weeks, maybe a little bit longer. Some people had become Christians. He had gotten run out of town. And so he's writing this letter to them. And, and by the way, it's, it's going to kind of indicate it here, but I want to go ahead and tell you so that you have that in mind when we're reading this. He writes this letter from Athens. All right, so if you're still with me, goes to Thessalonica, converts some folks, leaves, goes to Berea, converts some folks, gets run out of there, comes to Athens, and, and Paul immediately writes this letter back to the church, these, these Christians at Thessalonica. So we got this, you put these pieces together and you got this pretty neat chronology here of what's going through Paul's mind because he's writing about it right here. So with that in mind, I want to just read that. Read this just kind of read this, not as some formal 
you know, biblical letter. I mean, it, it is inspired, but read this as Paul pouring his heart out. And this is Paul. He's a young man. He's a preacher. He's, he loves these people. It'll come through in what he writes. But he's just writing a letter. I don't think Paul really thinks he's sitting there and he's thinking, I'm writing the holy word of God, and I'm going, this is later going to be in the canon, and it's going to be a part of the Holy Scripture. I don't think that's going through Paul's mind. I mean, I, I think Paul understood that God was using him and inspiring him. But I want us to hear this, and I think this is the way they would have read it. I want us to hear this as Paul pouring his heart out to some people he didn't get to stay with for very long, and he is, he's just flat out worried about them. He didn't know what's going on with them. You know, they couldn't call him. They couldn't email him. He couldn't check CNN to find out what's going on in Thessalonica. He, he, was, a, he, was, he was a good ways away, and he didn't know how they were doing. So, all right, so just listen to, the, listen to the heart of Paul. It's pretty cool. 1 Thessalonians 2, 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it's come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. I'm gonna read on in just a second, but don't read on yet. So do you hear this? Paul's left them, and he says, man, I wanted to come back, but I couldn't. I, I kept trying, but Satan got in the way, and I couldn't go back. I think Paul is worried that they might have thought he abandoned them. I think he probably has heard some rumors that some of these false teachers are, are coming in behind him and saying, Paul didn't care about you. He's, just, he's doing it for the money. He's doing it for the popularity or the notoriety or whatever. As soon as it got rough, what did he do? He abandoned, he abandoned you guys, left you all alone. So Paul's writing this letter back to these folks. He loved them. He spent just a short time with them, but he loved them. And he's, he's worried about their faith. And so, so, so he writes this. He says, you know, I wanted to come over and over again, but Satan kept putting obstacles in my way. And he says, you are, you are my glory and my joy. I, was, I wanted you to be okay. I sent Timothy back to check on you. Then look at verse, verse 6. In, in 1 Thessalonians 3, but now that Timothy has come to us from you. So, so he sent Timothy, and then Timothy came back and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father 
at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So that, in the middle of the letter, you know, he goes on for two more chapters and gets into some more theological kind of stuff, and he does some of that in first two chapters of the book. But right in the middle of it, Paul just stops and he says, you know, I want you guys to know how much I care about you and how much I'm concerned about you. And, and, and when I left you, I didn't forget about you. The whole time when I was at Berea, man, I was trying to get back to you. And then I couldn't know. And so then I went to Athens. And while I was at Athens, I, I was so stressed about how are, the, how are they doing? Are they, how are they handling the persecution? What's going on with them? And I couldn't go. I, I couldn't get back to you yet. So I sent Timothy. That was the best I could do at the time. I sent Timothy to you. And the reason I sent him to you is because I, wanted to, I, I had to find out. I had to find out if you were okay. How are they dealing with the persecution? Are they, do they think I've abandoned them, Timothy? Timothy, go back and, and find out if the Christians are still meeting. I think he was thinking maybe he had done all that for nothing. That, they, that he had converted these folks and, and they had just kind of fallen apart after he left. And so he says, I sent Timothy back to you to find out. And then Timothy came to me. And he told me, you guys are doing really, really well. It just made me so happy because you are my joy and you are my crown and I love you guys. And it just meant so much to me when Timothy came back and he said, Paul, they're still faithful. Isn't that pretty neat? I mean, this is, the Bible is a very, it's just a, this is inspired, you know, it's the word of God. But at the same time, this is the word of Paul. This is, this is a guy who's, who's, he loves these people. He's taught them the gospel and he's worried about them. And he wants them to be faithful. I think there are a couple of things that we might take away from this. Think about, think about how, how we read the text, how we read the Bible. One of them is, don't you love the kind of passion he has for people? I was talking earlier about our kids, and certainly we feel it for our kids, this kind of attitude that Paul has. Paul didn't have any kids, but he often referred, in fact, earlier in 1 Thessalonians, he refers to the Thessalonians as his kids. He says, I was, I was like a mama to you. He actually uses this kind of language. I was like a mama to you. I, I nursed you and cherished you and, and tried to take care of you. I, I think Paul, uh, in the absence of, of having a biological family of his own, he, uh, he loved these people. They became his kids to him almost. You know, he loved them. And so that, that kind of spirit, those of you who are parents, maybe there's a word for you here. If your children are still home, not to get all weepy and trying to get you weepy, but recognize, I was thinking about a minute ago when um, we had all the kids up here and, and uh, you know, they hear the singing and, Mr. Kyle working with them and, and all that. Uh, to, to those parents of these kids up here, there's, there's going to come a time, there's going to come a time where, you know, there's going to be a separation. It's going to be a separation and different stages, you know, kindergarten, middle school, high school, and then college and marriage and, and whatever, whatever the future holds. But I guess maybe a, a word from, from Paul from the text here would be pour yourself into them while you can and really try to, your, your, your number one goal, your number one priority when you're in that kind of relationship is to, 
is to equip them so that when that separation comes, when Paul leaves Thessalonica, I think that's what he's dealing with, the separation is there. Are they going to be okay? And we all have that anxiety as parents. Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be okay at kindergarten? Are they, are they going to be okay when they go to high school? Are they going to be okay when they go to, you know, freshman year of college, they sit in that philosophy class or that world religions class or, you know, they're, they're all the pressure of being, trying to, trying to develop their own identity, you know, that, that kind of thing. So this, this text, I think, can be read, at least one way of applying this is, don't, don't, I mean, you don't live in dread of the day, but at the same time, you, you live in anticipation of the day of separation. That anxiety is going to be there. But right now, if you're in a situation with your children where you have the opportunity, pour yourself into them and help equip them so that when that day comes, when that separation comes, you will, to the best of your ability, of course, you submit everything to God. We know God's in ultimate control but you'll have confidence that you've grounded them in what really counts, what really matters. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ that can withstand the persecution and it can withstand the secularism of the world and it can withstand the, the pressure of, the, of, the, of the, the peer groups and the environments at, at college and work or wherever it is where they can stand with their own independence and say, this is who I am and even if our primary, the primary, those who primarily shaped our thinking, in most cases it's parents and, and grandparents, you know, and, and a church family. But when I'm separated from them, that we've got our own identity. Um, and it's not, when that moment comes, it's, it's not going to be torn by a loss of faith. That's one way of reading Paul's words, you know of thinking about this, this, this time of separation. And I love his spirit, and I love his heart. And those last three verses of the chapter of 1 Thessalonians 3 are beautiful because he says, says to them, and you can read this as, in some ways as words we might say to our own kids or to our grandkids or to family members or just people, non-family members, people we love, and maybe we've had an opportunity to influence, to influence. But he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. I'm going to try to come see you when I can. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish, here's the, this is, this is it, you know so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. That is what matters. That's what matters. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So easy to get caught up in a, a world that's confused and messed up and a world that is, I mean, the world's the world. The world's always been the world. The world will always be the world. And the world, by definition, is that which set, sets itself in opposition to the God of the, of the universe. And so we live in that world. But this world as it is, it's not always going to be like this. There's coming a day when God, once again, is going to intervene and Jesus is going to reveal himself, this coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. 
and, and our charge to one another, to our kids, to our grandkids, to, to those over whom we have some sort of influence, our charge is, may God establish your hearts blameless in holiness. If I may paraphrase a bit, so that when that day comes, when that day comes, we're not going to be ashamed. We're not going to be ashamed. We will stand in confidence in the presence of Jesus Christ. I love this text, a beautiful text. If you're not a Christian tonight, um, we, we, uh, one of the reasons we're here is to invite people who may be seeking after Christ, maybe wanting to know more about Christ, to give you an opportunity. Uh, maybe you've come to a point where you're ready to identify your life, to, to submit to him as your Lord and as your Savior, to turn your heart over to him, you know. That's why we're here, to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've got questions that we can help you sort through. It's a confusing world we live in. We'd love to do that as well. But if you're ready to become a Christian, to put Jesus Christ on in baptism tonight, then you can do that. You can do that here if you're ready to confess him and to turn away from, from the, the ways in which your life has been in rebellion to him. Uh, if you need to come back to him because your life has not been as it should be, then we're here for you as well. Um, may... The Lord establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Let's stand and sing. If you need to respond, I hope you'll come.